Well, judging from the hands that went up, I don't think I need to uh, refer you to the book, the I? This great book, the Bible? Anyway, if you wish to look at it and look at the wording in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 548. So the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Australians aren't really a a singing people, are they? I think Australians are pretty reluctant singers most of the time. You only have to watch any school assembly and people singing the national anthem to know that. Uh, We're we're nothing like the Welsh, for example, uh, who know how to sing together and do it often. But even for us, uh, there are some songs that, well, everyone will just start singing along together if someone starts on the first line. And now I'm not going to do any of that for you this morning. Um, But you can be confident that if you start drumming up a happy birthday tune, uh, others will join. But then there are other songs as well, like Waltzing Matilda or or Old Lang Syne, uh, that people seemingly can't help themselves, uh, but join in with. If you've ever been to a Sydney Swans Aussie Rules game down at the SCG, you'll see a rather bizarre ritual. Uh, At around quarter time, usually, uh, they start playing, for some completely unknown reason to me, Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. And it's become a kind of unofficial anthem, and everyone just picks this song up and sings it with some gusto. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the football. I'm not quite sure what it's doing there. Psalm 23 is a little bit like that for us, isn't it? Uh, As we've just been talking about. It's probably safe to say that every person here has not only heard Psalm 23 before, uh, but many of you will have memorised a version of it at some point. The words have been set to more than one tune over the years as well. It is possibly, well, probably the most well-known and cherished of all of the Psalms. It has famously become a source of great comfort to people, particularly in times of grief. It's often chosen as the reading at a funeral, both Christian and secular. And it's not for nothing that that Psalm is so well known, because it speaks to us of what it means to walk with God and to trust in God in all the various circumstances of life through the very best of times and the worst of times. Like so many of the Psalms, uh, this is written by King David, the shepherd boy who rose to become the king over Israel. And as we heard in our kids' talk, you can't help but see how David's previous profession as a shepherd uh, was a source of inspiration for his observations about the God that he knows here. Because in this song... God is presented to us as a shepherd. And this metaphor 
permeates the psalm. As David explores this parallel between how a shepherd cares for the flock, the sheep under their care, and how God cares for his people. David begins his psalm with that wonderful declaration that God is a shepherd to him and how God lovingly provides for all that he needs. Uh, Read with me again there from verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. David begins his psalm by reflecting on the way God cares for him. And he imagines himself as a sheep in God's flock, where God provides everything that the sheep need, taking them to quiet waters, bringing them to rest, and presumably eat the lush green pastures. Uh, it's a wonderfully rich image of how God provides. And David here wants to declare his confidence about God, his confidence in God, that he will lack nothing because God is the one who cares about him. In fact, God is the one who cares for him. But it's not just his material needs that David looks to God for. Have a look at verse 3. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. God provides what David needs spiritually too. God cares for his soul as well. Restoring him when he wanders, refreshing him when he is weary, when his faith is weak, guiding him along the right path. For all of these reasons, David wants to declare that God is his shepherd, and because of that, he lacks nothing. Do you believe that? Or is it just a nice platitude? Do you believe that your good shepherd wants you to lack for nothing? Nothing that you really need. I think just about all sin begins with a nagging sense that God can't really be trusted. He won't, in the end, come through for you. Perhaps God doesn't understand what you really need, or he can't be trusted to provide it. And so we decide to take care of ourselves. We'll decide what we need and we'll justify how we go about getting it. That might show itself in a failure to be generous to others out of some fear that we might miss out, perhaps a fear about our future financial security. Might reveal itself in how we compromise our holiness Because, well, the world seems to know better than God where pleasure is to be found. Maybe we struggle to humble ourselves, to be a servant of others, to love sacrificially. Because God's approval in the end isn't quite enough for us. And the core of all of that, I think, is this basic distrust in God. A lack of confidence in his promise to provide, to give us what we truly need. Let David's God be your God. Remember that your God can be trusted completely. He knows what you need and promises to provide it. 
But even though David knows that to be true, he doesn't want to suggest that life is free from hardship. In fact, at the very heart of this psalm is a, recogni- is a recognition that life also has its dark valleys to walk through. We see that there in verse 4. And the psalm at this point changes tone, doesn't it? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, as we had that read to us earlier, you might have noticed that that verse sounds a bit different to the one you might have had in your head, uh, which was probably more likely something like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, The people who worked on the latest version of the NIV that you've got in your pew Bibles there, uh, they didn't make that change lightly. They knew it was going to tick a lot of people off to rewrite a line that so many people had memorised differently. Uh, But they did it for a good reason, because the original Hebrew in that verse, in verse 4, doesn't actually refer to death. It refers only to darkness. Uh, The language of death was, in fact, an interpretation of the Hebrew that was put into the King James Version of the Bible. And being the slaves to tradition that we are, uh, it was pretty difficult to dislodge after that. Now, it's not a huge issue, and I don't think a great deal of meaning hangs on it, But I think for the record, the NIV and translators here have got it right. Uh, And I actually think it it opens up a more helpful reading of the psalm for us. Because I think we might experience this walking in a valley of darkness in all kinds of ways. I think what David had in mind was that myriad of trials and hardships that we might encounter in this broken world. And he says that in the midst of that darkness, when hope is faint... When our fears well up and threaten to overwhelm us, David says, even then, God is with us and God can be trusted. And notice here how David again draws on that image of a shepherd. He imagines God holding a a shepherd's crook and he says this tool is a comfort to him. The shepherd's rod, the shepherd's staff was both a a tool for guidance when the sheep strayed, but it was also a weapon when needed to protect the sheep from predators. So David here expresses his trust that God will protect him. Now David himself doesn't need to fear the urkel, the evil that's lurking in those dark valleys of life because his shepherd is watching over him. David will find his courage and his hope in the darkest of places when he clings on to that simple truth that God is with him. And there really is no circumstance of life that can affect that. It's a promise not just for David, but for us as well, that those who trust in God as their shepherd can be assured of his presence, can be assured of his guidance through this life. But David goes on to say that we can be assured of that for the life beyond as well. That there is an eternity waiting for us. And that too is a comfort. And so David expresses right at the end of this psalm, going down to verse 6 where we read, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
David's already expressed his confidence in a number of ways that God's goodness and love are going to follow him throughout this life. But here he expands on that by saying that this is going to, in fact, be his experience for all of eternity as well. He knows that one day he will go to dwell in God's house forever. Here is a comfort that belongs to all of us that know God, that not even death can separate us from the love of God. Here is the foundation of an unshakable hope to know that our eternity is secure, to know that one day we too will dwell with God in his house. When we come to the pages of the New Testament, it's no accident that Jesus himself picks up this imagery of shepherd and attributes it to himself. Jesus famously says in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus wants us to understand that he is the one that we can trust completely, that he knows his sheep, that he loves his sheep, and he promises to guide and protect them in this life. Jesus promises to provide what we need. He promises that he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And he too promises that eternal life is ours if we trust in him. And Jesus not only demonstrates all of that, but secures it for us in that most stunning act of sacrificial love. The one he refers to in that very verse as he lays down his life for the sheep. Here is ultimately where our hope and our confidence should lie. To remember that Jesus loves us so much that he will lay down his life, that he's paid the price for your sin and for mine to secure not only our peace with God, but the sure and certain hope of life beyond this life. The Lord is our good shepherd. And with him, we lack nothing. Do you believe that? A couple of months ago, my uncle received the news that he had thyroid cancer. Since that time, he's found himself walking in a dark valley. The further they investigated, the more tests they did, the darker that valley became. The cancer had spread. Last weekend, he underwent a long and complex surgery to remove as much of that cancerous tissue as it was safely possible to do. By all accounts, it went pretty well, but he's got a long road ahead of him as the doctors try and treat what still remains with radio and chemo. My uncle finds himself walking in a very dark valley. But my uncle is also a man who knows that God is his shepherd. And he would tell you that he is at peace with what lies ahead for him. He's not overwhelmed by fear, not because he's particularly brave, but because he knows that God is with him. Even in the midst of this trial, 
and the uncertainty of what lies ahead. He's certainly thankful for the brilliant medical care, the facilities that are available in this land. He sees God's hand in that. That there is still hope of seeing a medical solution and an end to this disease. But ultimately his confidence and his comfort doesn't rest in the genius of his specialists. His hope runs deeper than that and goes beyond hope for a cure. He sees God's hand in a lot of the little things, uh, the reduced complexity of the operation he had to have, the love and support and care that he's received from others. God is with him in those things. And so he would agree with King David that even in this darkest of valleys, his shepherd is with him still. And he can know that when his time comes, whether that is sooner or as we all pray and hope, much later in his life. He knows that he will go to dwell in the house of his Lord forever. Where do you find yourself seeking comfort when the times of walking through the dark valley come? Who do you trust in? Perhaps your valley is a broken relationship. Perhaps it's an ongoing health condition that's wearing you down. Maybe it's the failure to achieve a goal that you worked for years to achieve. Maybe it's a moral failing and you feel overwhelmed with shame and with guilt. Maybe it's death itself looming We're not to be people who allow fear to rule over our lives because God is with us. Your good shepherd is right beside you, leading you, guiding you, wanting to do what is best for you. Keep trusting in him. Know along with David that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Keep trusting in the good shepherd and remember that you will dwell in his house forever.